Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to take some time in this podcast to reflect upon the issue of manhood and the current presidential election. This very unique presidential election that we're having now in 2016 is pressing to the fore a great many issues related to manhood, to masculinity, uh, to morality that we rarely have pushed or emphasized by a presidential election. I'm grateful for it. It's torturous, but it is exposing some things we need in our society. And quite frankly, it's dealing with some themes that I've been talking about for a long time. If you follow me at all, you follow what I do. If you listen to this podcast, you know uh, that I am very concerned about the state of manhood in our generation. I'm calling men to what I call great manhood. I've written some books, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and also Building Your Band of Brothers about this topic. I've been in almost all major media talking about this and do events around these themes all over the world. Uh, it's not all that I do. It's not, uh, uh, it's, it's not the, the one thing I talk about, but it is something I'm very concerned about. Um, and of course, I don't mind stopping right now and saying, if we can help you at your local level by being part of an event you're putting on, let us know. Contact us at info at TV. But in this election, isn't it interesting what has been pushed forward about manhood? We're living at a time when men are in a tailspin. We're living at a time when uh, men are declining by almost every measurable standard at the same time that women are in the ascent. And I celebrate the ascent of women. I don't believe there's a tug of war between the two genders. I don't think women have taken anything from men that they didn't, that men didn't pretty much abandon in the first place. Um, So we're already in a time uh, where we are hearing books like, is there anything good about men and the demise of guys? And uh, these are some of the titles of the major books on the subject. I, I think that we're in a, an era that I call, uh, uh, basically, the, the, it's the theory on the campuses is the guerrilla theory of men. Uh, the, the popular theory on the campuses, the popular theory amongst the professors is that we needed men when we needed to settle the country and build the roads and build the communities and fight the natives and uh, erect, the, you know, erect the steel skyscrapers and lay the railroad tracks. But when we entered into an information society, a digital society, uh, the theory is that men don't have the aptitude to uh, deal with those things. And so men now who don't have the aptitude for an information slash digital society are like gorillas in a cage sitting in a corner, scratching themselves and eating a banana. And they are uh, incompetent to uh, function in this society. Women have the aptitude for it and they're rising. I don't believe that's true, by the way. I don't believe that's true at all. Uh, I do believe, though, that men are in crisis, and I do believe that there's a fight for the definition of manhood, and you can imagine what that is. There's the, you know, hard-boiled, violent, angry, you know, womanizing kind of uh, old-school manhood. There's the the sort of metrosexual, you know, tight jeans, girly man kind of image that we have in our society. Um, There's the confused sort of dad middle-aged figure that you see on TV all the time, Uh, you, you know, in the commercials always being laughed at by his family, always being ridiculed, always overweight, always silly, always confused, always pleasure-oriented. But in this election, 
We've had some themes of manhood pushed forward that we need to consider. Uh, Hillary Clinton's run for the presidency has brought her husband back into um, serious examination. He's never left public view, but serious examination. And of course, to the fore, especially given the Trump scandals, uh, we are having to consider again the fact that we had a president of the United States, Bill Clinton, uh, who lied to the American people. Uh, about an affair he had with an intern uh, in the Oval Office, that he uh, had sex with her of a variety of types, that there was the perversion even of cigars pushed into a woman's body. Um, and, and then we, of course, already learned what we may not have already known, which is that he had had a series uh, of affairs and a series of infidelities uh, all through his political life, that there had been lawsuits, that there had been essentially persecutions from the Clinton people. Uh, all of this is a matter of record, and I don't think there's much debate about it. Uh, so that came back uh, into national view, and we had to consider that this man, with his many gifts, by the way, I mean, when Bill Clinton left office, there uh, the U.S. economy was in the best shape it had been in in years. Um, I mean, the military was demoralized, but there were there were good things that came out of his presidency. He's obviously a gifted man, um, but he attained our country. And he attained our country with immorality of the kind that is, uh, you know, unique to men, uh, philandering, affairs, uh, abandoning his marriage, um, various sorts of perversions and, and immorality, especially in places of power. What brought a lot of this to, to the fore in our uh, current election uh, are, were the antics of Donald Trump. Uh, I have to say that while I am absolutely no Trump defender, um, that I was surprised only by the feigned surprise regarding Donald Trump. Uh, it doesn't take any investigation at all. It doesn't take any much, much time reading his books. It doesn't take much time watching uh, YouTube videos of the Howard Stern show and uh, and, and other roasts and so on that that. Uh, that Mr. Trump was involved in, uh, to know that, that this was a man who has lived a very immoral life. He's had multiple marriages, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're immoral, um, but he certainly has written about, talked about, done interviews about uh, his various dalliances, his various perversions, his multiple sexual partners, his sexual conquests. And of course, we all had to sit through uh, the baiting of Donald Trump when it came to the size of his hands as a metaphor for the size of his penis. Um, this was begun almost as a joke by Graydon Carter, the uh, um, the editor, senior editor of Vanity Fair, and um, and it was intended just to tweak Donald Trump a little bit, and he took it seriously, and even some of the Republican candidates uh, who opposed Donald Trump picked it up, and so we had to be thinking about Donald Trump's penis during this entire time. Uh, now there's been uh, a video release which just confirms what we already knew about Trump if we were paying any attention, in which Trump talks about uh, what some people consider to be abuse, you know, grabbing women, kissing them. Of course, his context is uh, that, that women want him because he's a star, but he describes things which would be uh, just, just, just uh, you know, basically nothing more than abuse, nothing less than abuse. During all this time that we've not been paying much attention to it, we've had black men uh, being shot, being killed, rising up on the streets, pushing back, attending to, attempting to uh, achieve some kind of rights, cry out and say, why are we being killed? I think it's a cause that we should consider. And, and not just consider, I don't want to treat that lightly. It's a cause we should pay serious attention to and realize the plight of black males in our society. And then, perhaps for me, the most tearfully pitiful moment uh, in our entire in the entire election, uh, not having been that surprised by Bill Clinton, not having been surprised by Donald Trump. Again, if you're any kind of society watcher, any kind of news watcher, if you can do any research at all, you knew that Donald Trump was a bit of a dog. 
that he he was abusive to women, that he treated them like you know trading trading baseball cards, that he he thought in terms of his conquest, that you know he admitted to having uh, you know not only affairs during his marriages, but basically starting one marriage sexually before he'd left the other. These were all of this stuff was stuff he talked about. He never hit it. And again, I'm not saying that to defend him. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation. But the most pitiful moment for me is when Don, uh, the, the, there were new disclosures of Donald Trump's statements and misdeeds and attitudes towards women. And evangelical males rose up for the most part to defend him. Uh, no question that many of them did. Certainly Dr. Falwell at Liberty University, certainly Pat Robertson, certainly others. But evangelical females cried out and said, and, and what they were basically crying out for, if I may say so, is for a higher form of manhood. I was very proud of Beth Moore, um, a friend of mine and a woman I admire deeply. I was very proud of others uh, who rose up and said, this is wrong. You cannot sacrifice morality for the sake of politics. You cannot deny, if you call yourself a Christian, the ethics and the standards of Jesus for the sake of political victory. This is wrong. And Beth Moore, I think one of the reasons I admire her is she was very open about the fact that she's dealt with this kind of low life manhood, the, uh, you know, the kinds of things most women deal with, the insinuations, the comments, the words, the inappropriate touching, the sexual abuse, even sometimes by relatives, all of these types of things. And she and others were saying, enough. We don't want to see our men. We don't want to see those who name the name of Jesus. We don't want to see people who call themselves Christians uh, sucking up to an immoral man for the sake of political power. And I thought that was a very important moment. The bottom line is that we are in crisis in this country, but if we can read the signs of the times, if we can listen carefully and watch carefully, we can see that this is an election that raises a massive call that, that sounds a trumpet call for men to reform themselves, for men to become great men, for men to become noble men, for us to stop the low life dog ways, the strip club ways, the porn ways, the nastiness um, that often attends male culture and ascend to something more. And I want to say, too, that I, I am not a prig. I love sex with my wife. I love being a man. I love man culture. And that's why we shouldn't allow uh, the lower side of it, the demons of our nature rather than the angels of our nature, to dominate. Uh, when this recording of Donald Trump speaking about women came out, a lot of people said, well, this is just locker room talk. Uh, this is just locker room talk. Well, I got to tell you, I've been in a lot of locker rooms in my life. I'm in a locker room almost every week, if not every day. And I don't find men talking that way. None of my friends talk that way. I mean, I can hang occasionally with sports figures or or um, or military guys and, and, and be in a culture of some verbal nastiness. But I got to tell you, it's not turned on women. It's mainly turned on each other. Um, the, my my friends, uh, I don't, and it's not just because I'm a Christian and most of my friends are Christians. I, mean, I have a lot of friends across all kinds of religious, political, and cultural lines. And nobody, nobody around me ever talks that way. That, that is a, a nasty, small, immoral, small-souled slice of manhood. And to say that it's locker room, to say that it's man talk, to call it macho, to say that it's the way we ought to be, uh, and that all men are that behind the scenes, is just wrong. It's just a lie. But I, w- I want to just put it between our eyes as men in this election to, to be in an election where the nastiest kind of sexual contact, con- uh, conduct is being winked at or made excuses for 
where Christian women, especially, and I'm not saying they're the only ones. I know other women of other faiths as well who are making this cry. But I thought the most pitiful moment again was when evangelical women were saying, for heaven's sakes, don't sell your souls, evangelical men, Christian men, Roman Catholic men. Don't sell your souls for this man named Trump. It's time for a reform. It's time for a change. We're looking for some noble men. We're looking for some good men who will treat us right, protect us, and not kowtow to this kind of immorality. And I would say to men, we've got to live lives that are not hypocritical, where we uh, talk sweet and Sunday schoolish in our homes and then go to the locker room and talk nasty. That's what Donald Trump was referring to. It's what others were referring to. We need reform. We need to be great men. I'm doing everything I can to make that happen. I want you to join me, and I want you to read good books, John Eldridge's Wild at Heart and other great books. Uh, You can go online and find these good books. Find the good books. Find the good videos. Get with other men. uh, Get involved with other guys to be strong, and let's see this election as a warning of a rising tide of male immorality and misconduct that we can correct in our generation. I think the young men are hungry. I've been in other nations. Other nations are hungry. I think we can have a turnaround of noble manhood in our generation. Join me. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.